Good morning. <clears throat> so today we're going to be expanding our practice of metta to include another category, the category of the neutral person. I'll say a little bit about this before we before we practice. <clears throat> the first thing is just the reminder that we're not trying to produce a feeling or have some sort of a special experience. We're cultivating an intention. We're strengthening a certain orientation, a way of meeting experience with goodwill, with a spirit of friendliness. We're not trying to move through all of the categories quickly, you know, and do them all. And just, just strengthening this way of relating to experience and in that purifying the habitual ways we have of relating, of relating by pushing things away, wanting them to be different, going after certain things, zoning out, all of our habits of relating through ignorance or confusion or grasping or ill will, instead laying a foundation of relating to whatever arises with kindness. Just, oh, may you be well, may this be well. And it's through this very, very simple steady application of the phrases and the corresponding intention in the heart that we begin to shift the inclination of the mind towards a default inclination of kindness, of of friendliness. So with the neutral person, this doesn't mean someone who's bland or boring (laughs) that they themselves are somehow neutral. Thinking of those characters, there was sort of Mr. Happy and Mr. Grumpy, and then this sort of just this (laughs) (laughs) expressionless cartoon character. It means someone we feel neutral about, that we don't have really strong feelings one way or the other towards them. So often the people we overlook, the people we don't notice in our lives, And this is an important transition in the metta practice because it's the first movement in the practice beyond our circle of affection, ourself, our friends, our benefactors, to people we normally don't care about. So that movement is significant. As we've been saying, the progression is one of gradually including more and more and more people. The neutral person in this sense is the doorway to all beings. They represent humanity. There are some six or seven billion neutral people (laughs) for us in the world. Yeah. So the, uh, the, the move here is to recognize, just as I wish to be safe, 
so may you too be safe. Just as I wish to be happy, so too may you be happy. That's recognizing that universal nature of the wish, the longing for well-being, for safety, for happiness, for connection, seeing that humanity in another being. So in choosing a neutral person, it's, it's important to choose a real person, not some imagined neutral person of the potential seven billion, but a real person. And uh, we often invite, invite you to choose someone on the retreat. If, if there's someone here left that you don't have strong judgments or feelings about, <laughs> negative or positive, I like that person, they're so cool. You know? Can't wait to talk to them. The person you can't stand being around even though you've never said a word to them. <laughs> so if there's someone left, in that neutral category, you could use them. And then that's nice because you'll see them every day here. Yeah? If not, you can choose someone in your life who's neutral, someone who you see regularly. Often this is someone who performs some kind of a function. The clerk at the post office, the checkout person at the grocery store, the barista at the coffee shop, or, you know, someone who takes your ticket, someone that you see regularly who you normally don't notice. You don't see them as a real human being with concerns and plans and aspirations and problems and family and friends and a history. If, uh, if it's hard to find someone who really feels neutral, like, well, I kind of like them a little bit or just a little bit, you know, not so much, go towards what's easier. You know, if, if it's on the edge, choose someone who's just a little bit easier rather than someone who's a little bit harder. As you do the practice, you might notice that the neutral person stops being neutral. You actually start to care about them. You actually start to have affection for them. You get excited when you see them. It's my neutral person. (laughs) There they are. Be happy. That's good. That's okay. That doesn't mean you need to stop sending the metta and find a new neutral person. It means means the practice is working. (laughs) The boundary of your affection is growing. And if you feel absolutely nothing for them, that's okay too. That it's the intention that we're strengthening. As Sharon was saying, you know, sometimes we don't notice the effects until later something happens and all of a sudden there's this response that arises inside of, oh, well, may you be happy, you know. So it's helpful when doing this practice as we've been saying, to try to establish a sense of connection. So with the benefactor, with the friend, with ourselves, that tends to be easier. We know the person, we have a memory, we can hold the image. With the neutral person, it can be a little more difficult. But to see if you can hold an image or some sense of their presence in mind and connect with their humanity, to see them as a human being. 
that doesn't mean needing to think about and create a whole lot of stories about where they live and what they might be doing at home and I wonder if they have any pets and they probably probably a dog person no 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 yeah, yeah, a dog person, and wonder what kind of dog they have. That's not practicing metta, <laughs> that's thinking. So establish a connection, but without going into a story or too much thought. Some people find it easier to practice metta for the neutral person. In the same way that, you know, if you meet someone on a long train ride or something, a stranger, it's, sometimes it's easier to open up and share things quite personal because the stakes are very low. So if that happens, just just to know, like, oh, just to notice that. And, and sometimes it's the opposite. It can, it can be, you know, more difficult. <clears throat> but it doesn't really matter. What matters is the inclination. It's just that we're coming back again and again, just in one moment. Can I call forth this intention? May you be safe. Just one moment at a time, just one phrase at a time, that's it. And in each moment that we connect with the intention and the phrase, we're planting very powerful seeds in the mind. So as we've been doing, beginning by sitting comfortably, and this means comfortably physically, as well as mentally. So just taking a few moments to invite that sense of ease. Here we are in this peaceful, beautiful space. No responsibilities, nothing to do. No one's pressuring us. Just this time to sit quietly, to relax, to be at ease picking up that tone. Connecting with the sense of embodied presence. So, sensing the felt sensations of sitting from the inside. Feeling it out. Pressures, weight, sense of mass or density, warmth or coolness. sense of height or length, width, three-dimensional nature of the body. Establishing this basis of embodied presence gives the mind and heart some place to settle. Establishing the empathic sense. 
the reality of relatedness. That we feel, that we feel things. So sensing the area in the heart center, in the front of the chest. Calling to mind a benefactor, a favorite place, something that evokes that sense of connection, of safety, of warmth. A natural smile inside. Feeling behind the heart, between the shoulder blades and the back, allowing the sense of connection to spread through the torso, filling the space. And again, it's not a feeling necessarily, but just just the awareness of that potential, that our heart, that our body sits within something, within the space. And just sensing the potential there for relatedness, for connection. How it feels to be hugged, to touch, to see. And then beginning where it's easiest. So this might be with the benefactor or yourself. From this foundation of presence and connection. One phrase, one moment at a time. May I or you be safe. Be happy. Be healthy. Live with ease. Bringing your heart's full attention to one phrase and calling forth as much as is possible in the moment, this genuine wish for well-being. Taking some time to stay with this first category of benefactor or self, wherever it's easier.
allowing the sense of the first category to fade. And if you are with the benefactor, perhaps taking up yourself or vice versa, if you were working with yourself, inviting the benefactor. Staying connected with the body, calling forth the image, the sense of the person's presence or connection with yourself. Feeling the space, this empathic resonance of the heart, sense of relatedness. Just planting seeds one at a time. May I or you be safe. Be happy. Be healthy. Live this life with ease. Continuing with steadiness, with patience, with tenderness.
If you like, you can stay with the person or category that you're with or shift to the dear friend. For the remainder of the sitting, inviting us to shift to the neutral person, getting a sense of their presence, their image. Offering these simple intentions, connecting with their humanity just as I wish to be safe, so too may you be safe. Just as I wish to be happy, so too may you be happy. Even as I wish to be healthy, for my friends and loved ones to be healthy, so too may you be healthy. 
may you live with ease. Using the simple phrases as they are, recollecting their humanity if and when you need to reestablish the connection.
So before we open it up for questions about your practice, I wanted to finish telling a story from last night. We were talking after the talk I gave and realized that I didn't, I didn't tell you the end of the story about the orphan, which seems significant, that the one who... <laughs> there isn't an end, but um, just that, you know, this, this child, um, from that first moment of recognizing that there was an outside world there available, did, did grow and did change, and that um, she continued to have difficulties um, be- because the the separation and the abandonment and that wounding was, was so strong and so early that um, there wasn't a complete repair and there, were al- there was always a place, you know, and, and probably will be where that certain um, wound inside would get triggered and the sense of, of panic or fear or being abandoned would would come up, and so it it felt important to say that uh, for two reasons: one, uh, to not sort of romanticize the the sense of this empathy and love that it can magically heal everything, you know that there there can be change, you know, and um, that that it's not uh, a panacea, you know that that sometimes there are. Uh, things that happen that, that are difficult to recover from and that certain things can't touch, especially if they're early enough. And so I think, you know, sometimes when we hear this, we can judge ourselves against that and think, oh, you know, it's supposed to be this way, especially if one's a parent and has had difficulties with, with, with one's children and think, oh, if only I had or I wasn't good enough, right? And to say that that's not the, that's not the point of the story at all. So I just wanted to Wanted to share that other piece there. It felt important. So, do you have any questions about about your practice, about the instructions? Why is it important to have a concrete person um, for the neutral person? Yes. So, the question is, why is it important to have a concrete person? It's easier and to have a, a stronger sense of the metta, to, de- to develop it more clearly and strongly. That's one reason when we have a concrete person. Uh, the other is that um, it's likely that more will come up. If we're imagining someone, then our mind is controlling the image in some way. I mean, the mind is still generating the image, even if it's a real person. But if it's a real person, then there's there's that ground there's that grounding in reality and the complexities of reality you know that the person you know maybe on one day they did something that we sort of felt nice about and then on another day they did something that we didn't feel so nice about you know if you see someone every day in a store sometimes they're in a good mood sometimes they're in a bad mood <laughs> right and they're neutral to you but but you notice that so there's more to work with when it's a real person and in that way, we get to train our heart more thoroughly. Yeah. Does that answer the question for you? Yeah, thank you. I noticed um, creeping in a bit of attachment to wanting my, um, my meditative land. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, and so there could be some guidance about um, maybe the 
Mm -hmm. Sure, thank you. So the question was, she's noticing uh, some attachment coming in and wanting the metta to land, wanting it to have an effect, to, to actually make the person happy or well, or easeful, and any guidance on that? Yeah. So first, just great that you're noticing it. Yeah. So with each of the Brahma Viharas, we talk about um, the, the opposite sometimes called the far enemy. So the opposite of metta is hatred, is ill will, right? But then there's what's called the near enemy, sometimes called a near miss, which is close to the quality, but not quite. And the near miss for metta is attachment, is that sense of, of well-wishing with wanting, with wanting something. So I think the first way is just to notice it, just noticing that that's present, is important. Noticing how it feels, right? Getting a, a sort of establishing the, 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 the tone, feel, being able to feel the difference in the heart when it is freely offered and when it's not, when there's, when there's some sense of wanting with it, so that we start to be able to tell the difference and see which feels more open, brighter, purer, and in that noticing of the difference, the heart will start to tend towards the more pure quality because it, it feels better, it's more open, it's more free. Mm -hmm. So those are, those are a, a, few, a, a couple ways to work with it. The other is it's about view. This is about the understanding of what we're doing. And this is where equanimity comes in. With each of the Brahma Viharas, metta, loving kindness, compassion, sympathetic joy, they're, they're balanced by and purified by equanimity, by the fourth, which is the wisdom piece that recognizes the law of cause and effect. That the universe is unfolding according to its own laws, not to our wishes. I'll be speaking about this in a couple nights. This is, this is fundamentally recognizing that we can't make anyone feel anything and ultimately we can't save anyone. One of the equanimity phrases is, you know, I, w I want you to be happy and I can't make your choices for you. Right? I wish that you, may, that you have happiness and I can't make your choices for you. Only you can. So there's that recognition of the difference between ourself and another, even as there's this fundamental connection. That we're each the owners of our own karma. We each you know, need to walk this path or our own path for ourselves. And so having that view, having that understanding is what purifies the attachment. Allows us to, to more and more see clearly and let go of the wanting. And then everything that unfolds in that. Yeah, thank you. Um, I'm finding <clears throat> when I'm sitting in the hall uh, meditating, bringing up myself, a benefactor, a friend, a neutral person. Um, if I visualize that person mm -hmm. and then try to go through the sequence of loving kindness phrases, um, I find 
I can sometimes get scattered in terms of, uh, like, may you be happy. Oh, wait, I forgot, may you be safe. Let me go back to that. Oh, wait, where, where was that? I wind up kind of going, mm -hmm. going off. Um, I can, if I just sometimes say that person's name, yeah. um, you know, go through the sequence in order and, and be concentrated. Um, I'm wondering, would it be um, useful to push myself to build that concentration to keep both the image of that person and go through the sequence of loving kindness phrases, or do you think it would be preferable because I'm I'm getting scattered to you know just kind of go with the the vision the auditory thought um, as I go through the, the phrases? Great, thank you, John. So um, so the question is, he's noticing when he's sitting and going through the categories, and with each of the categories, the image and the phrases that sometimes getting getting a little bit jumbled and, you know, the order of the phrases and did I miss one and going back and finding that there's a little bit of that sort of scattered energy that can come in, trying to keep track of the category, the phrase, the person, the image, and um, would it be uh, conducive or supportive to let the image go and just stay with the phrase or how to work with that? Yeah, great. Thank you for the question. Um, so a few things. First, um, I think the use of the image is di is different for different people. Some of us are more visual, and it's really easy and helpful to hold an image. Others, it's it doesn't work so well, and that's fine to just let it go. The sense is more the sense of the connection that the image is, is, is there to bring the person's presence forward and have that sense of connection. Saying the person's name, as you suggested, is often really helpful for that. You know, John, may you be safe. You know, at the beginning of each phrase or at the beginning of a set. Um, so I would do what works for you in regards to the image and if it's easier to let that image go and use the name or just stay with the sense of the person, great, go with that. The second thing is, like this morning we went through each of the categories up through the neutral person. The invitation for today would be to just pick one category of friend, benefactor, self, whichever's easiest. Just pick one of those and then the neutral person. Yeah, and and just work with those two. <clears throat> it's also fine to stay with one category for the whole sitting, or for the whole day. You know, so if you really dig in the neutral person, great. Stay with the neutral person all day, and just come back to the benefactor or the self when you when you need to. If you feel like you're losing some of the connection, then just stay with. You know, come back to the benefactor or the self for 10 minutes for a sitting and then go back to neutral and stay with them. You don't need to go through the whole sequence with every sitting or every walking. That can get confusing and scattering. You can also, I think we've mentioned this, give each category some time during this sitting and at least one other time during the day and if you're having a hard time, it's fine to just stay with yourself or just stay with the benefactor for the whole week. You know, this is this practice unfolds differently for each of us. Yeah, um, I have a, a friend who used to be on staff here who sat a, an entire three-month retreat 
and did metta for himself the whole time. And said it was some of the best, most healing practice he ever did. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the question is restlessness, a lot of physical and mental restlessness, um, how to work with that. Um, is there anything else you're finding works other than walking up the stairs, getting more physical activity? Uh-huh. Okay. So starting over, that helps. Uh-huh. And um, is this a common experience for you in life? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Common experience, common feeling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how do you, how do you feel about the fact that it's happening? <laughs> In other words, how are you with the restlessness? Yeah. You tried darling? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So a few things. Um, Yeah, so the comment was um, that that phrase I had offered, you know, oh, sweetheart, you're back, was helpful for her for the first few days, but now the sort of tone has changed and there's a sense of um, a little bit of annoyance or uh, some sense of not quite really feeling welcome. It's getting old, not not really having the same effect of connecting. so there are a few a few suggestions I could make. The first is, I think really paying attention to how you are relating with the restlessness is going to be helpful, especially since it's something that happens in your life. So that sense of um, can there be a sen- can there be some acceptance, some sense of making friends with this energy? One one useful tool we, we use in vipassana sometimes is just a little sort of thought trick where you just say, well, if this restlessness were here for the rest of my life, could I be okay with it? Sometimes it doesn't work. <laughs> but sometimes, <laughs> but sometimes it does. Sometimes it helps the mind to let go, to be like, just to just surrender. Okay, it's not that terrible. You know, can I just be with this? So just noticing how you are with it, bringing acceptance, friendliness, tenderness, bringing the metta to the restlessness. May it give the, offer the metta to the restless energy, to that restless part of yourself. You know, wow, this is really hard. This is really uncomfortable. You're really agitated right now. I was, um, I was home for the holidays and 
one relative had a really difficult interaction with another relative and they were like really really anxious and upset and you know bustling about because they didn't want to feel what they were ha- what they were feeling and i just put my hand on the on her back and just said hey 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 you're really upset yeah you know and it just helped her whole system settle to just feel it so seeing if you can bring that sense of connecting with it the other um the other suggestions are more practical more technical so um oftentimes with restlessness what we try to do is to focus to narrow the field of attention but that has the opposite effect the energy is is trying to move out and if we try to contain it it actually gets more intense so the movement is one of widening So one of the analogies in the Zen tradition is if you have a wild bull, you give them a very, very wide pasture and then they'll settle down on their own. Eventually they'll just tire themselves out running. So seeing if you can give yourself more space and in the sitting that might mean opening the eyes, listening to sound, so you're working more with the mindfulness here opening up even beyond the building, you know, recognizing like the the sky through the windows, the light, really, really big. Same thing with the walking. Go walk outside. Bundle up and feel the wind, see the sky, give it lots of space. Yeah. You're welcome. Thank you. So we have to stop a couple of announcements before we shift gears. Um, The first is in the afternoon, in the morning as the sun comes in, it's fine to adjust the blinds. So feel free to do that, especially if you're sitting on the side and you know that your your friends here in the middle are having the sun come into their their eyes, you can just lower the blinds. Um, Notes, when you write notes to us, to the kitchen, to the office, please sign all of your notes. It's just helpful for us to be able, if we want to write back, to know. So please sign your notes. The last thing is, so we have, we're continuing with um, our group meetings this morning. Please check the board. If you miss your group meeting, it's very difficult for us to reschedule you. So please check the board. Some of the groups have changed. So, you know, you look at the first couple names on the group, you say, oh, that's not my group. You might be in there. So please check the board. Today is, if you were seen on the first day of groups, you'll be seen again today, most likely. If you had a group yesterday, I don't think you're in a group, but just check to be to be sure. Okay. Mm. And if you missed your group interview, especially if you missed your, a group interview, check the board because you might be you might be in there today. Yeah. Okay. Have a good day. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.